there is no happiness that uh, that exceeds the happiness of just being here and now. Perhaps other than one happiness, which is to make another person happy. So, so if you ask me what is happiness all about, it's just about this. It's about me uh, enjoying being with you and not thinking that, oh, I wish I was eating a peanut butter, peanut butter sandwich, right? It's like, can I, can I just think about the peanut butter sandwich when I have the peanut butter sandwich and just enjoy this conversation as long as we're having it? Welcome back to the Max Out Show, where I'm on a mission to help you unleash your full potential. Today, I'm honored to talk to Mo Goddard, former chief business officer at Google X and author of the amazing bestseller, Soul for Happy. After decades of incredible success as a businessman, that included Mo opening up almost half of Google's offices globally, Mo found himself successful but miserable and turned to studying happiness as a way out. In 2014, his practice was put to the ultimate test when he lost his son Ali during a routine surgery. And Mo has since dedicated his life to making people around the world happier. Guys, this honestly was one of the most incredible conversations I've ever met. Had Mo is just such a generally amazing and loving and kind and supportive guy. So you don't want to miss this episode. Let's dive right in. Well, thank you, Max. It's been, uh, you know, a, a while in the making, so I apologize. It took us a long time, but uh, I hope it will be worth your wait. Oh, for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. And we're going to talk about expectations later on. Exactly. Right? There you go. Influence <laughs> <laughs> happiness. Yeah. Now, before we dive into, you know, the incredible work that you've done, really spreading happiness all over the world, I think it's important to understand sort of what I guess you'd call your first career you know, to really truly understand the significance of happiness in our lives. So, you know, to really understand, you know, why chasing success isn't really the thing that actually makes us happy. Can you even take us back to, you know, that first, you know, career where you're you know, chasing after success, you were you know, incredibly successful and wealthy at that point, and how that made you realize that, you know, this is not really the thing that actually will make you happy. Yeah, it's not, it's not an unusual story, believe it or not, Max. I, uh, you know, if, if I've, I've ended uh, my professional career as the chief business officer of Google X, uh, a long 27, 28 years career led me there. And all of, the, all of my friends who have, you know, realized similar success would literally share with you the same story, un unless they're really, really uh, unaware, okay? And, and the story is very straightforward. You come out of university, uh, you're so conditioned by the modern world that there are certain things that measure success in life, okay? That success is important. It's more important than anything else and that there are only material possessions, you know, uh, titles, uh, uh, the way you dress, the car that you drive, the home that you buy, uh, the money that you have in the bank. And these are the measures of success. And like everyone else, I mean, I remember vividly uh, uh, when my first son was born, I was 25, 26 at the time. He came early and I immediately shifted my attention from, uh, you know, being the happiest person in my life, just flowing with life and enjoying my wonderful, you know, uh, college sweetheart that became my uh, wife and the, and the easy life that we had to a career obsessed, uh, you know, individual. By age 29, I had uh, become the director of a consumer goods company. 
for the Gulf region, the, basically Dubai, Kuwait, and so on and so forth. And uh, and they and and we, you know was already being paid significant amounts of money for my job. I was given the fourth room villa with the swimming pool. Uh, I was given the car, the company cars, and the business class travel. And at the time, I still had my wonderful ex-wife now, uh, but then my wife Nibel, which is like if you if you know Nibel, she's the most amazing woman on the planet in every possible way. She gave me two wonderful kids. And I was miserable, like freaking depressed, right? And and you could you you could start to wonder, like four years before when I had very little in life, uh, I was the happiest person you can meet. And then when I had everything, like everything they've promised me, uh, you know, I should work my whole life for, I was depressed. And you you know, I look back at this now and say I was so fortunate because I had one of the earliest middle age crisis anyone had, right? I had my, right? I had my, which, which actually is really interesting. I mean, your middle age crisis is normally in your mid forties, late forties, when you've worked all of your life to chase certain things, and then you've achieved them after 25 years of work, and you realize, is that it? Is, is this what, what, what it was all about? I had that in my early, uh, my late twenties, 29 to be specific, and it was an incredibly eye-opening experience because suddenly you realize that all of the illusion, all of the lie, uh, you know, all that, that we keep chasing our, you know, throughout our life doesn't matter at all. It doesn't produce happiness. It doesn't produce security, uh, which is the other lie they give you. It doesn't uh, produce status because, believe it or not, even as you park the fancy car outside and go into that big party or big meeting, if you're boring like hell or if you're silly and you have no idea what you're talking about, you'll be figured out within three minutes, right? And so in reality, you realize that, unfortunately for most of us, we only realize it when we achieve it. And my mission has been to tell the world that you don't have to waste your life 25 years to get to that point to realize that other things matter, other things like love, like connection, like happiness, uh, you know, like really living, living, living your purpose, living your, your passion in life. Yeah, that is so fascinating. It's actually a very, very similar story to, to how I found my pursuit of happiness. But I mm -hmm. want to dive a little bit deep into what you just said, that the, the birth of your son was actually the thing that triggered you sort of into chasing success. So what was it about that? Was it like, I want to take care of my family? Or like, what was it about his yeah. birth that... That made you so Ali, Ali affected my, my son. So I have, I have Ali and Aya. Uh, Ali was born when I was 25, 26. Aya was born a year and a half later. Uh, Aya is a girl's name. Ali is a boy's name in the Middle East. And uh, we, um, I, think, I think your children shape your life. But Ali, specifically my son and my daughter, actually, shaped my life a lot more because uh, they became my best friends. They became my teachers. They became... Uh, really my, uh, my pillars in life, if you want. Ali specifically, uh, you know, when, when you have a child and you're a responsible person, uh, I feel, and I, it's hard to generalize, if you're a man, it triggers the masculine side of you, which is the hunter side of, I have to go out into the wild and hunt and provide for that little cute, uh, you know, creature that's just visited my life. Right. Uh, and if you're, uh, you know, uh, on the feminine side, it just magnifies your feminine side. So my my ex-wife, my wonderful best friend, uh, she at the time, she's a computer scientist, incredibly smart woman. 
And she decided, you know what, uh, this is my life. I'm going to take time off. I'm going to focus on this child and I'm going to give them the best environment I can give them. Nurturing, loving, you know, caring, all of those feminine qualities exploded in her. And the truth is, uh, of course, that doesn't happen for all of us. But, uh, but for, for those of us who can connect to those parts, it's, it's, again, part of being complete, part of living is to be able to give those kinds of emotions, is to be able to live fully to that emotion of I want to nurture a child uh, or I want to provide for a child. I want to, you know, rise to my nature, but maybe to a bit too much, to the extreme of that nature. So from being someone who's interested to provide for my children, um, I then started to be someone who could provide for his children, who is buying you know, a, a college tuition for his children when they were er, young to someone who eventually was even starting businesses in the name of his children so that when they graduate, they can run those businesses. And I became super obsessive, almost hyper-focused on that one track that started correctly because when Ali and Aya came, we didn't have much at all, right? And there was a need for us to have that stable life, but then continued exponentially uh, with with me passing that point of the need to provide and getting stuck in that hamster wheel, uh, not knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing anymore. Yeah, there's this great story that you shared of, you know, you bought like two Rolls Royce uh, online, oh, right? Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. You have to bring that well, up, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 we all make mistakes. And I, I you know, I've learned. So I, there was a point in my life where I had 16 cars parked in my garage. Wow. Right? <laughs> Did you actually drive I, them or was it just... That's, the, whole, that's the point, Max. That's the point. They are a freaking nightmare. It's like it's a serious nightmare. Okay. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this openly of the 16 cars, I had two Ferraris and those two Ferraris, I, my lifestyle was, I had to travel for work. So, you know, I would disappear sometimes for a week, sometimes for two weeks. And every time I would come back, those two Ferraris would be parked outside at the first two cars in the garage and they would not start. Okay. <laughs> Ferraris are that crappy. I'm telling you <laughs> in front, you know, I mean, at least my experience of them was they never would start. Right? Oh. And then I would have to, you know, I'm at home for a week now. I'd have to borrow my wife's car, right? Until the, the workshop comes and takes those Ferraris to see why they're not starting. By the time they, you know, they, they, they are back, I am, uh, the, the week is over. I have to travel again next week. So I park them at the beginning of the garage and then I come back later and they're not starting again, <laughs> right? And, and that was my entire, and, and, and I will tell you, huh, I continued to lie to myself. I continued to lie to myself because they were so um, ch stunning, right? There is that charm to them. There is that way where you look at them and you go like, I made it. Like, no, you didn't make it. They're not starting, okay? They're not really giving you any pleasure at all. And at the depth of my depression, I, I, was, I was really unhappy with everything that life has given me. The more that life gave me, I became, the more unhappy I became. Uh, at the at the peak of that, uh, one day I, I, I you know I was also a stock trader. I was really good at what I did, so I could almost print money on demand if you want. And so after a stressful day in the market, I go like, you know what? I have no idea why I'm doing all of that anymore. Let me just reward myself. So I go on eBay, eBay US at the time I lived in Dubai, and I literally with two clicks 
buy it now, buy two Rolls-Royce, classic, classic Rolls-Royces, which is stupid, really. But, but you know, you, you, you're like out, coming out of the market. You've made so much money today. You're just asking yourself, why am I doing this? And, you know, I can afford them. Classic Rolls-Royces are not extremely expensive. They're in the tens of thousands of dollars. You know, I think those were combined, maybe $70,000 or whatever. But it's stupid, right? It's absolutely stupid. And I have to tell you, it's two stunning cars, huh? They arrived at the curb in Dubai two months later. I had almost already forgotten that I've done this, right? And, and I looked at them, and for a moment, I felt I was the king of the world, oh. right? And, and, and that moment literally was just a moment. Like, literally, I, you, you basically look at them, you go like, oh, fantastic, they're great. And then two minutes later, you go like, oh, but there is a scratch here. I need to fix that. And then three minutes later, you go like, ah, this chair is not very comfortable. And then two weeks later, one of them is not starting and you have to take it to the, and the whole life continues again. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, I still, I, by the way, I sold, of course, and gave away more, all of my cars other than those two, which I hope that one day I'll give away to charity. You know, now that they've been famous by the book and by everyone like you, always asking them about, about them. Okay, but yeah, so my, my intention uh, is to give them away for charity, uh, at the, for, you know, for the right cause at the right price. At the same time, I will tell you openly, uh, I, gave, I gave quite a few cars to charity and, you know, you'll be amazed that these were the moments where I felt most rewarded for ever owning those cars. Wow. I mean, one, one of them was a... a, a um, a convertible Jaguar 1972 uh, that was really not worth that much. But uh, anyway, I managed to auction it for charity for four times the price. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, and, and gave that, that uh, away. And at the same time, the person that bought it, uh, bought it with a, with a charity ticket, really. He paid like $100. And, you know, that $100 won him the car. And the car was his father's dream car. Okay. Oh wow! So so he took that car to his father, who you know, who was all, always his whole life dreamt of that specific car, and it worked from all sides. Like money was given to charity, I took it out of my garage. I never drove it anyway. I felt amazing that I could make him happy, could make his father happy, could make the charity cause happy. This is to me what I learned eventually was the only real joy you can get out of all that crazy. Uh, chasing things and money and and cars and all of that the biggest joy you can get beyond having your basic needs met was if you could make others happy yeah that's such a fascinating concept right that like by giving away that happiness and that love you actually receive those things back oh you receive them in in in, in orders of magnitude more so so the truth is i, I wrote about that in solve for happy uh, in what I call my, my, my unscientific uh, chapter, chapter 12. The idea that just like we understand the law of conservation of energy in physics, right? That energy does not get, get destroyed, it just gets uh, uh, transferred from one form to the other. I believe that given there is, you know, there is a law of conservation of giving, that, that, when, that when you give into the universe, the universe gives you back. Okay, uh, but 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 you give up to your capabilities. Uh, the universe gives gives you back up to its mighty capabilities. Okay, and so there are many spiritual beliefs around the world that will tell you that you get up to ten, or sometimes you know, Islam, for example, will say seventy-fold what you gave out. 
Okay. And, and so, uh, you know, and, it, and, you, and you don't need to believe in religion or the existence of a divine entity or wh whatever that is, but you, ha you can measure that yourself, that, that when you give, what you get back is more than, than what you give. And you get sort of bailed out in tough situations when you bail people out in tough situations. And that's on top of the bonus, which is that enormous joy mm. of feeling that you could make someone else happy. Yeah, you know, this is such an important paradigm shift for people, right? From you know, trying to get stuff always to trying to give away stuff, knowing that they will receive it in return. So if you want to make I, this... I, 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 be I believe we should always try to get stuff, but not for the reason that we get stuff for, okay? So, so actually, one of the things I constantly say is that one of the reasons why our world is where it is, which is, you know, corrupt and polluted and you know aggressive and, and so on is because the good people uh, are not interested in material life right the, the best of us are like monks sitting somewhere <laughs> giving up on all of this right but that's not what the world needs what the world needs is that the best of us become the CEOs, become the, 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 the political leaders, become the rich and famous. And because they're the best of us, okay, they would then have an impact on the world. So, you know, for everyone listening to us, I, I, my message is not give up on life and go meditate on an Australian beach somewhere. My life is be success. My, my message is be successful in life, but be successful in life for the right reason. And the right reason is to make life better not for yourself only, but for all of those you can impact with the wealth or the power or the knowledge that you can acquire. Yeah, I love that. I think it goes hand in hand with this one billion happy project of yours, right? Where like you, you're not gonna, you know, take this principle and sit in some lonely mountaintop, but you actually wanna change the world. So I, I, I do, I do, I do want to change the world. I, I really feel our world is in a very, it's in a very bad place. I, I mean, and, I, I just, I stopped for a second to think about, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to come out of quarantine for coronavirus. And, you know, just, just think about all of the amazing, I mean, the, of course, there has been a lot of harshness, huh? and we lost some, some lives and, and so on. But, but the truth is, um, many people, uh, our environment is much, much cleaner. It's almost like life was saying, give us two months. Just give me two months, okay? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to invent anything. Just give me two months and I'll fix it, right? And you can see the air is cleaner. You know, the wildlife is out in our cities. You know, it's, there is so much changing. The, the habits of people are changing. And many of my friends, and I know thousands of people, are actually reflecting on the fact that as they slow down, they started to find themselves. They started to find a part of them that was just lost in that madness and pace that we were going at. And, and you know, in, a, in, a, in an interesting way, there is so much about our, our world that needs to be changed. There is so much about our world that can be better. And, you know, I, one billion happy is one effort because unfortunately, even though uh, humanity has never had it better, you know, life expectancy is at its highest ever uh, you know uh, um, uh, healthcare is, uh, has, has never been better you know technology has never been more advanced yet we are the unhappiest we've ever been you know that suicide rates are at an all-time high teen suicide is at an all-time high uh, young adult suicide is at an all-time high female suicide is at an all-time high 
depression is an all-time high. Uh, I, I read a statistic recently that blew me away that when a, a survey of, uh, of people who suffer depression in the U.S., who will tell you that one of every four of them will say they don't have a single soul to turn to. So they're wow. not only depressed, they don't have a single person to talk to. And, and these need to be fixed. And I think the challenge has been that we positioned, uh, happiness is not complicated, by the way, at all. Happiness is actually quite straightforward. Huh? Uh, uh, but we positioned it in a language that doesn't fit the modern world at all. So, so the happiness language of spirituality and a bit of mysticism and that practice of yoga or meditation and so on, which, by the way, works, hmm, is not understood by everyone. And, and so when I wrote Soul for Happy, something really interesting happened, which is I wrote it like the engineer businessman that I am, right? Uh, I am a serious techie and geek and video gamer myself. And so I spoke in the language that the modern world understands. And then somehow we, you know, we get 96% of all readers and reviewers of videos and so on will say, damn, I get this. This changed my life, right? And it's not because I found something new. I mean, I, there are a few interesting gold nuggets that mixes science and spirituality in my work. But, but in general, I just said it in a way that people understand. And so the idea of trying to spread that message to more people, to be honest, is not difficult. Okay? And, and by the way, I don't claim to ever that I will ever reach a billion happy. I think you are reaching a few thousand happy today by allowing me to share my message. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they will share, will share it with 10,000 others. And, you know, and, and, and that's the way to reach a billion happy. And the way, and the way uh, is to basically remind people that happiness is our number one priority, that all of the other dreams that we've been sold, we, we just buy into them because they deliver happiness at the end. You buy the car because you think it's going to make you happy. You try to date the supermodel because you think she's going to make you happy. Mm -hmm. And the truth is the car doesn't make you happy. And most of the time, the supermodel makes you miserable, right? And the trick is to make happiness your priority and then to understand that there is an engineering, a mathematical side to happiness that you can repeatedly generate it by doing the right things, just like fitness, right? If you, if you work out four times a week and eat healthy, you'll be fit. And so there are similar practices. If you prioritize your happiness and follow those practices, you're going to be happy. Love that. So talk to us about this mathematical equation. So what do people need to understand about happiness that will really be this paradigm shift for them and how they approach their lives? Yeah, it's, a, it's really straightforward, but shockingly simple. Huh? Uh, you've every moment in your life you've ever been happy was not a result of what life gave you okay your happiness has nothing to do with what life gives you believe it or not huh? your, your rain can make you happy uh, if you wanted to water a plant and it can make you unhappy if you want a suntan right uh, you know meeting your your boyfriend or girlfriend can make you happy if you're missing them but if you're annoying if they're annoying you'll probably not want to meet them right <laughs> If you want to watch the game and someone says, let's go to, out to party, uh, that annoys you, right? So it's the, the party itself has no inherent happiness value. The rain has no inherent happiness value. Nothing actually has a, a, a default setting of it will make you happy. It's, it's whatever life gives you in comparison to what you want life to give you that makes you happy or unhappy. Right. So if you if you, you know, if, if you basically um, nature, right, nature is not perfect in any way. Right. 
but we all feel happy in nature for the simple reason that nobody ever looks at a tree that is a little crooked and says, hold on, hold on, this needs to be vertical, right? <laughs> who, who built this, right? Nobody sits in front of the, of the ocean and says, I like the view, but let's mute the sound, right? <laughs> it, it doesn't happen that way because we look at nature with all its, of its imperfections and we say, we love it as it is. We accept it as it is. And so that's events, which is a crooked tree, meeting your expectations of, oh my God, the tree should be crooked. It makes it beautiful, okay? And, and when, once you see it that way, you can summarize it in an equation, right? Your happiness is equal to or greater than the difference between the events of your life, whatever is taking place in your life, and your hopes and expectations of how life should be, okay? It's that comparison that makes you happy or unhappy. Okay? And the example I, I usually give is, you know, you could be with the most wonderful uh, uh, boyfriend, for example, and you know he's kind and he's generous and he loves you and he worships the sand that you work on, you, you walk on. But he has four hairs in his ear, okay? <laughs> and right, and you can you can simply take those four hairs and go like, hold on, hold on, he's not grooming for me. Uh, that means he doesn't love me. That means I'm fat. That means I'm going to you know I'm going to spend the rest of my life alone. I hate dating sites, right? And you can build a story around the four hairs, right? Or you can actually look at it all and say, he's loving, he's generous, he does this, he does that, and he has four hairs, and I accept that, okay? And my expectation is that men sometimes are not really taking care of themselves. I'm going to remind him next time. Similarly, by the way, it's not boyfriend or girlfriend. Huh? You could have the most gorgeous, wonderful woman in your life. She's loving and kind, and you just focus on the fact that when you come back from work, she speaks to you while you want to be silent, right? Now, you could, we could become that silly, Hmm? When our expectations are inflated or where our, when our views of the events are not real, you, you solve your happiness equation, events minus expectations, and the answer will be wrong. So you feel unhappy. Is it because life has given you, given you something horrible? No, it's because most of the time you just don't see the events for what they are and you don't set the expectations realistically. Wow, that's so interesting. Absolutely love that. And so I'm super curious, like how does this idea of non-attachment fit into that so do you think there's value in setting expectations low or sort of trying to get rid of some of those hopes <laughs> yeah 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 that's the, 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 the I, I always get these questions from big achievers it's like hey are, are you saying if i set my expectations low i'll be happy yeah that's the truth if you set your expectations low you'll be happy i mean that you go to india and people don't expect uh, you know a, a, a waitress to bring them uh, a steak, uh, you know, with green salad on the side and quinoa, right? All of that stuff that we in the modern Western world got used to, right? In India, if they, you know, they don't even expect to eat today. And so if you give them a bowl of rice, they're the happiest people on the planet, right? And, and, and so, yeah, by lowering expectations, the reality is you become happier. If you, if you lower your expectations and expect that your boss is going to be annoying because 99% of bosses are annoying, right? You, you, when your boss is annoying, you're just going to look at it and say, oh, it's life. This is what happens. Okay. And you're going to deal with it. If you take your expectations and make them unrealistic, that, you know, your, your, your boyfriend has to be Don Juan. He have to, you know, uh, he has to be amazing in everything and groom his ears without ever, ever being told that he should. Good luck with that. You know, men are men. If you expect that your girlfriend's going to be, you know, a goddess, good luck. Right. And, 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 and the idea is if you lower expectations, you'll be happier, but you will not be successful. 
And I think that's really the differentiation we need to start looking into. So, so I never say that we shouldn't be successful. Okay, I, I actually think we are here in this world to make a difference. And the only way to make a difference is to engage and do and, and add value and, and bring impact and so on, right? I'm saying happiness comes first. So from a prioritization point of view, if I gave you two choices, one that would make you happy but not as successful and the other that would make you successful but not as happy, I'm suggesting that you choose the one that makes you happy first because when you're happy, you're in the long term going to become successful. And that's what a lot of people don't understand, huh? that, that happiness is like health, okay? When you're happy, this is your optimum mode of performance, right? Just like when you, if you catch the flu, you, you start to rush to the, to the pharmacy and you buy uh, some medicines and you take some rest because you're not supposed to be sick because sick is not your best optimum mode of performance. Similarly, when you're unhappy, you should stop and say, that's not my optimum state of performance. I need to find my happy place so that I can perform. Now, that can happen at so many levels. So, uh, you know, statistically, people who are happy are 12% more productive than people who are not, regardless of the reason why they're happy or not. Hmm? And, and that's obvious because when you're happy, you're not wasting cycles thinking about stuff that is annoying you. You're not negative about anything, everything around you. You're not annoying the people that work with you and so on and so forth, right? So let, let's, let's simply say the following, huh? If I lower my expectations, I'll be happy, but I won't be successful. If I higher my expectations, I'll be successful, but I won't be happy, okay? The answer is very straightforward. There is a difference between expectations and ambitions, okay? I set very high ambitions. When I, when I came out with my mission to honor my son about, about happiness, I, I started with 10 million happy, okay? And to me, that was a very, very aggressive target. Oh, yeah. When we achieved 10 million happy, Right? I didn't go from 10 million to 10 and a half million. I went from 10 million to a billion. Okay? Right? Now, understand this. That's not an expectation. I mean, very few humans have ever achieved a message that goes to a billion people. Larry Page could build Google that reached a few billion people. You know, uh, Jesus took 2,000 years to reach 2 billion people and so on. I'm not one of those. I'm never going to be close to any of those. These are incredible beings that, you know, that completely changed our life. Now, if, so my ambition is a billion, but that's not my expectation. My expectation is if I can make you happy today, and hopefully there are three others that are listening to us that are happy, then I, that's a, I'll have a ball. This is an amazing day for me, right? So the ambition is a billion that is directional, that gets me running and gives me a far enough uh, uh, objective so that I'm always energized and I'm always chasing and I'm always trying the best of my thoughts to get there. But, but my expectation is that I will try to do my best today on this podcast to deliver the best possible message to make as many possible as I can happy. And that's it. That's as far as I go, right? And, and if I can do that every day and I meet that, okay, my expectations are met and I feel super happy. Do you, you understand the difference between them? And, and because of that, hmm, I tell people, don't lower your expectations. Make your expectations realistic, okay? And shoot for the stars with your ambitions. Now, if your ambitions are missed, don't make that make you miserable. Realize that your expectations have been met 
despite the fact that your ambitions have been missed? You know what? This is probably the greatest piece of advice I've ever heard in my life. And the greatest oh God, that's, way. A, that's a big <laughs> statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I absolutely mean that. I think, I think this distinction, like when people really get this, is life-changing. Right? This distinction it, it, between... I hope it is. I hope it is because... Born, like what you actually get the, the joy from on a daily basis. Absolutely. Because, because you, know, you know what? I mean, I, I don't know. I th maybe your, your, your audience will, will understand this. Life is a video game. Okay? It really, it really is. I'm a very serious gamer. I'm, like, I'm not ashamed to say at my age, I'm in the top 0.7% Halo players worldwide. That's wow. <laughs> right? And I, I, and I do, and I love it. Now, I play legendary in Halo. Now, when I play legendary, it's not because I'm sadistic or masochistic. You know, I don't want to torture myself. It's because the, because the game is so much more interesting when it's difficult. Okay? The, 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 the idea of a, of a real gamer is we want a game that absorbs us and that engages us and that requires our skills. Right? And it, that makes us better, that teaches us, develops us to become better gamers. Right? Now, life can be boring like hell if you just set no expectations. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to find a job and then I'm going to go surfing. You know, my biggest ambition is I'm going to surf a four meter wave sometime in the next 20 years. Like, what are we talking about? Like, that could be really, really boring. Okay? You, 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 if you tell yourself, hold on. I'm going to try so hard to achieve this. Even if your, if your ambition is to surf, huh? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be one of the best in the world. Now, that's a good ambition that wakes you up every morning and you go for it. Hmm? Because life is a game, what you do is you want the difficult parts. Okay? And, and as gamers, every gamer listening to us will know, but if you get shot, you don't mind. You get up, you play again, right? You get shot again, you get up, you play again until you're so good at it, okay, that you start to actually progress in the game without really being shot and, and, and held down. Yeah, love that. So, so what is that ultimate purpose? <laughs> yeah, just easy, Gay. That's an easy question, isn't it? What's the purpose of life? <laughs> uh, uh, so I, ha I, have a, I have a very revolutionary way the purpose of life taught to me by my late son um, surprisingly uh, so so Ali's uh, I used to play uh, Halo with Ali I wasn't mm -hmm. as good when he was alive uh, and Ali uh, and I uh, I'm very strategic I'm an engineer I think I plan uh, you know I try to take the path of least resistance so it would start the game playing a campaign together and I would run all the way to the right okay and Ali would go like, Papa, why? Why are you running to the right? And I go like, the end of the game is here, right? If we run to the right, cross this bridge there, it's the shortest path to the end of the game. And he would put his controller down and go like, who wants to get to the end of the game? We're playing, right? It's like, seriously, when you think about it, now we're playing. And, and I go like, oh, okay, okay, that's a good point, right? And then he would run to the places where there are explosions and smoke, okay? <laughs> And he would literally jump in the middle of the elites and grunts and you go and get shot at and, you know, turn around. It's amazing, right? And I go like, but Ali, that's not wise at all. And he goes like, but that's where all the fun is, right? And, and listen to this. He said, that's where you develop and grow. And that's where you become a better gamer. So I, I, I sat down with him once and I asked him, I said, Ali, what do you, what do you think 
you know, is, so what's the purpose of the game? Okay. And he, his view was very straightforward. The purpose of any real gamer is to become the best gamer you can become. Okay. It's not to win one level. It's not to become the world champion. Okay. Because maybe you're not qualified to be the world champion. It's not to finish the game 600,000 times. It's not to finish the game in 16 seconds. Right. It's to become the absolute best gamer you can become. Now, that, in my view, is the purpose of life. Okay. And, you know, because we live in a Western world that materializes and productizes everything, they end up lying to us and saying, no, hold on, hold on. There is a product that is called the purpose of life. You tell yourself some lie and you chase it your whole life. Okay. So I'm going to uh, give a laptop to every child. There was that mission when I was growing up that was really fascinating. Huh? And I was very, very in inspired by that mission. I'm going to give a laptop to every child. Huh? Okay. Laptop to every child, you know, great, but you're never going to achieve that. And so for as long as you haven't achieved it, you've failed your life mission. And if you actually manage to achieve it, hmm, it will go like, okay, so what now? And then three minutes later, you're going to go like, oh, my life, my, li my life mission now is to give a rubber ducky to every child, right? And, and then it, you start again, right? And so that idea of a life purpose that is anchored in the future, hmm, that you fail to achieve your entire life is wrong especially because the future doesn't exist because all of life is now, right? So, so one billion happy, is that my life's purpose? No, my life's purpose is to become the best I can be at spreading happiness. That's my life's purpose, right? And if I am so good at it, then the universe will send people my way, right? If I'm really good at spreading and understanding and discussing happiness, then more and more people will come and listen to what I say right? Is it my job to make sure that a billion people listen to the message? No. My job is to focus on the message. My job is to make this the best skill at playing the happiness game that, can, that, that I can become. I am, by the way, huh? His Holiness the Dalai Lama is 200 million times better than I will ever be at understanding happiness, right? You know, uh, Sean Aker, when he talks about positive psychology or Tal bin Shahar or whatever, they're amazing, amazing at what they're doing, okay? I'm never going to be anywhere near those people. Hmm? But maybe I can be the best Mo at spreading happiness, okay? At, I can be the best Mo at uh, understanding uh, business. You know, I'm still a businessman. I still invest and start businesses and so on, right? I, maybe that's the, the purpose. Maybe the, the purpose is to be the best father for my daughter, Aya. Okay? Maybe the purpose is to be uh, the best friend to my, my dear friends. Okay? Best community member. Whatever I choose, and by the way, one of the problems of modern life is that it makes us think that we should be the best at everything. No, no, that's not true at all. I can be the best at two or three things at most. The best I can be. And when I choose them, I'll dedicate my life to them. And I'll be so good at them that I'll make a living out of them, that I'll, you know, get my passion out of them, that I'll feel happy in, you know, engaging in them. And hopefully I'll make a difference using them. And so in my view, your life's purpose is to be the best you can be. To wake up every morning and tell yourself, what can I do today to be a better version of me than I was yesterday? It's as simple as that. Yeah, you know, what, what's beautiful about it is like, it, it gives you the control, right? It gives totally. you the the responsibility for taking care of your life. Cause you can't, like you said, you can't necessarily influence 
a million, you know, a billion people to watch your videos. But what you can influence on a daily basis is how you show up, right? It's your like actions, the energy, yeah. the effort, the passion you bring to your work. So absolutely, absolutely your, action, your, your actions and your attitude, that's the only thing in life. The only two things in life you can control are your actions and your attitude. Okay, and, and understand this, huh? understand that this in itself is a very complex purpose. Okay, because to be the best version of you, you have to visit you. You have to meet you. Okay, so, so I, 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 have, uh, I have, you know, in my calendar on a daily basis, I have something I call Mo Time. Okay, and Mo Time is probably the hardest meeting of the day. This is the day, the time where I sit with me in total silence. Okay, I set my, my phone to 25 minutes, my timer. I put the phone down. I, 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 you know, isolate myself from the rest of the world and I talk to me. I listen to my thoughts. I listen to my fears. I listen to my insecurities. I listen to my desires. I listen to my realities. Okay. And it takes years, sometimes years of me realizing that I am actually not what I thought I was on topic A or topic B. Okay. And that perhaps hmm, I am actually, uh, uh, you know, behaving in certain ways because I never understood that there was an inner desire in me to do X or Y, okay? And those meetings, hmm, those are hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of getting to know you, getting wow. to meet you. And when you meet you, there is hope. There's only hope that you become better. <clears throat> Without meeting you, there's no hope at all. And how many of us, I mean, when the quarantine started, the biggest complaint I got from many of us who are having, you know, a reasonable life. Some people lost their jobs and some people went through economic difficulties and so on. So I understand how hard this has been for those people. But for others, it was like, eh, I can't go out and party. Like, what, what are you <laughs> talking about? Like, this is seriously, this is white people's problem. It's like, it's really, really crazy when you think about it, that we complain about this. Okay. And the truth is, of course, it's the hardest thing ever. It's the hardest thing ever for some of us to sit and meet ourselves. Yes. Because suddenly some crap shows up. And that's the crap that we have to deal with. You know, this is so beautiful because like, I think this is literally where, where people struggle so much, right? It's like they, they can't face themselves. They can't yeah. face who they really are because those fears and those anxieties and those insecurities all of a sudden pop up and we try to self-medicate them oftentimes, right? With like alcohol yeah, and totally. parties and that. All this, the cars maybe, and totally. <laughs> whatever it is, right? Totally. Like we try totally. to get rid of and shove all this stuff away. And I think especially yeah. in times right now, we have to actually, you know, take this bag of garbage and, and sort of open it up and dive in there and look at like what's actually in there and face the truth. Believe it or out. not, believe it or not, there is no garbage at all in you, okay? You're a wonderful being. Every single person listening to us is a wonderful being if they just... Stop comparing to the conditioning they have been put through, okay? So, so, so understand this, huh? There is, I, I'll, I'll use a very extreme uh, uh, example and I hope people understand where I'm coming from. Some people would look for a partner that is skinny, okay? Others would look for a partner that is uh, uh, Kardashian size, okay? Uh, some people will, look, will, will prefer to be with a partner that is short. Others will, be, will prefer to be with a partner that is tall. 
Okay. Some people would love a partner that is playful. Others will want a partner that is serious. Okay. There is, and, and, and I did, you know, quick mathematics. I will tell you, hmm, there are 20% in the world that like the, the attribute that you are and 80% that freaking hate it. Okay. <laughs> so if, if you're playful, there are 20% of the world that will tell you, oh my God, I adore playful people. I hate those serious guys. Okay. And 80% of the world will say, oh, playful, irresponsible. We hate you. Right. Now, the trick is this. If you switch and become serious, there will be 20% of the world that will say, okay, we love serious people. And 80% will go like, what's wrong with you? Right. It's, so there is no single attribute you can ever choose to become. Okay. That will get the acceptance of everyone. Again, my wonderful son, Ali, when he was age nine, uh, we moved him again. We moved a lot uh, when I was young to follow my career. And so he goes to school. He, uh, uh, you know, makes a friend. Okay. Uh, and you know, three days in, he comes home. He says, I met George. Uh, how is George Ali? And he goes like, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but you know, it's the best, the first friend I made. Ali was, um, was a, a tiny little Zen monk. Okay. I, seriously. He was always peaceful, always, always smiling. So quiet. He moved like a little turtle. He was so you know, Zen in every way. George was the devil himself, okay? And, and, and I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad boy. He was a wonderful boy, but he just loved to jump up and down, hit things, break things, make noises, you know, uh, um, practical jokes. That, that was George, right? Uh, Ali met him on a Monday. By Thursday, he comes home and he says, Papa, if George calls, please tell him I don't want to be his friend anymore. <laughs> And, and I'm like, why, Habibi? And he says, no, don't worry. I told him already, but I'm sure he didn't listen. So if he calls, please tell him. So as Ali walks upstairs, George immediately calls and he goes like, hey, hi, where's Ali? And I'm like, uh, Ali said he doesn't want to be your friend anymore. And he goes like, okay, I'm coming. Like, right? That's, that's George, right? Three minutes, you know, 13 minutes later or 15 minutes later, his mother drops him at our place and leaves. And so George is standing there. And Ali comes down so quietly and says, George, I, 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 really, I like you. You're a wonderful person. We're just so different. It's taking so much effort from me. And I just don't think we should be friends. Anyway, you can stay here and play for as long as you want until your mom picks you up. And then he goes back to his room, right? I asked him and I said, Ali, how can you make this courageous decision? And he said, Papa, look, for me to be with George is going to take me so much effort Okay, it's going to have to put me, you know, with so many other Georges in my life. Okay, and eventually I'll be accepted within a community that doesn't like the real me, but likes the one that I'm pretending to be. Okay, if I am not with George, eventually someone will show up that likes the me as I am. I won't have to pretend, I won't have to put in any effort, and I will be happy with that person because they will probably be like me. I was like, Shit. Damn, you're nine years old? <laughs> <laughs> wise, right? And he was, I was, he was right, right? A week later, he met, he met Jack, okay? Still one of my favorite humans on the planet. Jack is an amazing young man, right? Two weeks later, he met Max. Three weeks later, he met Sam. And, and, and then that group of people who were so alike, who didn't have to pretend, became the most popular group in, this, in school. Why? Because they were natural to, them, to who they are. Now, that's the truth. When you meet yourself, you may see things that you didn't expect. 
okay? But those things are who you are. And if you see things that are along the lines of playful, 20% are going to like that, okay? You don't have to change anything. You just are so conditioned because someone told you, no, no, hold on, you cannot be playful, you have to be serious, that you think playful is bad. There is no bad or good. Unless you're a serial killer killing people, there's no bad or good, right? There's really just who you are. If you're artistic, you're artistic. If you're mathematics, you're like mathematics. Right? There's nothing wrong, okay? And, and by the way, if you're insecure, that's also fine. There are people who are also insecure like you, okay? If you're, you know, if you think you're, you know, I don't know. I'm, I just don't know how to say it otherwise. Huh? If, trust me, if, if you go on a dating site, hmm, you will realize that your body shape is the absolute freaking dream of someone out there. Okay, and that 80% don't like your body shape, regardless of how perfect it is. Okay, you are who you are. If you can meet that person and empower that person to show, just like Ali did, Jack will show up and say, I like that person. Okay, you're waiting for your Jack. That's, your, that's what you're looking for. You know, I absolutely love that. It really sounds like you need to almost close the door on certain people and things that aren't absolutely. really the exact match so you can sort Absolutely. of have the free time and have the space available in your life to be free for the people that truly matter, the people that really Absolutely. are going to align with you. Yeah. Absolutely. And I do that today. Even today, every quarter, I look back at the people that have featured more than once a week in my life. And I, and I ask myself, do I want those people in my life? Habibi, my son Ali, would actually tell people three times everything. Huh? So if someone shows up, in his life and is too loud, for example, and he would say, hey, by the way, this is too loud. You know, I, I, would you mind when we're together to be a little not so loud, okay? Uh, or whatever, right? Like, Ali had that way of saying, look, what you've just did hurt me, okay? Please don't do it again. And then he would say it again. Remember when I told you that what doing this hurts me? You've just done it again. Can you please not do it again? And then on the third time when people would do the same thing, he would go like, okay, you know what? I don't think we can be friends anymore. And the person would jump up and down and say, hey, no, no, hold on, hold on. You know, tell me what went wrong. And he, Ali would no, never give a fourth chance. Yeah. Okay? He would simply say, hey, look, there are others out there that would love being with you. I can't poison my life with things that are not good for me. Okay? It's almost like, you know, think about it. Huh? Think about if you know that a bag of, of, of apples is rotten. Right? You take the first one and it's rotten and you take a bite and it's like, oh no, right? Take the second one and it's rotten and the third one, you go like, no, no, I'm not going to continue to do that. Right? I don't want that in my system. Hmm? I want my system to be me, to, be, to allow those who like me, who are like me and who like me to show up. And the only way for that to happen is for me to be who I am. I mean, again, I'm, I, I say this because I know your audience is young, huh? If you're looking for love as a young lady, don't go to the club. Okay? <laughs> right? If you're, if you're at the club, you're going to find someone hitting on you that wants to sleep with you tonight. Okay? If you're, if you're looking for real love, don't go on Tinder. Right? <laughs> yeah. You're going to hook up on Tinder. It's the, if the, the, if the person that you pretend to be by showing up in those places is going to be the person perceived by others, the person pursued by others. And those, by the way, who are looking for love are not going to come to you because they're going to go like, no, 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 she's looking for a hookup. I'm, I'm, I'm not the right candidate for her. 
they're going to be to be away okay it's very straightforward the person that you show is the person that attracts the world that you want into your life you know i absolutely love this idea in fact it's really how i found my own tribe my own friend group for the first time in my life really is is like by just stopping to pretend like i was fitting in with other people that like i just didn't get along with and i was just like nope sorry it doesn't work and like now let's open the space for like the few people that do right and the beautiful thing is like that starts to accumulate like the same thing that Absolutely. you're talking about with Ali, right like you find that mm -hmm. one person and that one person introduces you to two other people and then over time you just start like accumulating this tribe of people and things and opportunities and, in your life and, that you know, and right? it becomes amazing it becomes exactly what it what it should be right yes mm -hmm. absolutely love that now how's this this practice evolved for you over time is it something that you've done like the same way those 25 minutes of mo time every day for the last decade or or how's that evolved no so i i, I tend to be very cyclical and very planned in the way i address a topic as elusive as happiness so i i define uh, on, I, I, um, one thing that really matters for me is something I call my New Year's intentions. So I normally take the last week of the year off, spend that time completely with myself and revise a few things, right? So I, lo I look at things that worked well for me, things that didn't work for, or, or, you know, the, what I need to change and so on. And every year I would define the areas I need to develop in, okay? Uh, my early years, for example, I always defined my biggest reason for unhappiness was the illusion of control that I actually believed so obsessively that I should control everything. And that really took a toll on me. And so it took me years to work through that. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, silence this year for me was called the year of silence and space. Okay. So, so the practice of spending 25 minutes, I've done that quite a lot in my life, but now it's, it's the primary practice and silence and space is important because I'm at a stage in my, you know, spiritual, spiritual journey, if you want, where I sort of need that extra bit to understand the, the parts that are maybe not understood by the left brain, if you want, uh, that are more felt in the intuition and in the heart. And you can't do that with analytical practices. You have to do that with, with space. Uh, some of my favorite practices are actually um, uh, in, in, engraved into my days, my daily routines. So, so one of the bigger uh, um, concepts that I advocate is that meditation, for example, should not be confined to the meditation room, right? Yeah. Because if, if meditation is just kept to the meditation room and then you go out and you're fighting and life is stressful and so on, then you've not done much. And I, I try to integrate what I call meditation for the modern world into every minute of my life. And I, I do that by observing, by be, paying attention, by being present. You know, I, I look people in the eyes when someone talks to me, I give them my full attention. When I'm in a place, I notice the, the place, not just, it doesn't become background. I notice the color of the carpet, the color of the, of the background. You know, if, 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 I, if I meet you uh, in, in a year's time, I will remember the color of your V-shaped uh, uh, T-shirt because oh, wow. I, I try to pay attention. I try to be present. And those practices are again they're just like fitness okay and and all of us you know especially the younger ones we invest an hour a week uh an hour a day four times a week to go to the gym or to to exercise in some form or another and similarly 
you know, happiness is a practice. Huh? It's a practice that uses, instead of your muscles, it uses your brain's neuroplasticity, but you have to repeatedly. It's not, you, you, if I explained to you the idea of quietening the mind and you spent today nine hours meditating, uh, tomorrow you're going to wake up slightly better and after tomorrow you will have forgotten, right? The idea is that you need to spend nine days meditating an hour or 90 days meditating 10 minutes, right? And, that's, and that repetition is what changes our lives. And so my, my choices of my practices are based on what my needs. Again, coming out of the meetings of Mo time, okay, I realize that I have a certain need to flow, for example. So I would practice flow, okay? And there are many, many ways. I mean, the internet's full of, of ideas on how you can do those practices. You can feel free to completely reject the ones that don't seem right to you. So if, you know, if you're a, a romantic, you know, a person and you love the, love the ideas of mantras and chanting, go ahead. If it works for you, it's perfect. If you get annoyed when someone tells you om and you prefer to do, you know, your practice by focusing on, centering your body when you're working out so that you don't injure yourself. That's also a form of meditation. Okay. It's the, the idea is find the practice that works for you, but commit to it and commit to it. Some people will say for 21 days, I will say commit to it until you're the best in the world at it. Okay. So I, yeah. I believe it or not, when I choose practices, I commit to them for four and a half years at a time. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I overlap. So there are always multiple practices happening depending on, uh, so, so 2019 was my year of flow. And believe it or not, part of my practice was to play Halo. Uh, and, to, and it's really interesting because part of, of, of flow is to stop your left brain from controlling and planning. And so if you crank up the difficulty of the game to the point where it's almost impossible to think ahead, you have to respond and be in the present moment completely. That was one of my practices, right? And 2019 was my practice of flow uh, as my primary practice. And then to th this year is, is, a, is a practice of silence and space, but flow continues, okay? And ego is a practice that I've been working on for 17 years, believe it or not, and it continues, okay? And, and, so, and so, but you get really good at it. So it doesn't require you to put an hour a day in it, okay? Uh, you, you start to get it, and, but you still have to practice. Now, I love this deliberate attention that you place upon each one of these aspects of happiness, right? Because I think it's something that like most people aren't deliberate enough, really. And like you mentioned, like Absolutely. we pay attention to going to the gym, right? We track our workouts. We track the miles we run every week, but we mm -hmm. don't really spend the same amount of time sort of creating a training plan for the mind that allows us to really live a happy life. Which, which is, which is you don't, I don't blame people for that because happiness is sold to people as a very complex thing, okay? It's not at all. It's just like fitness, you know? It, fitness is work out three to four times a week and eat healthy and make fitness your priority. Happiness is make happiness your priority and go to the happiness gym three to four times a week. Mm -hmm. So all I ask people honestly is spend an hour a day, three to four times a week, either watching a video, reading a book, uh, you know, uh, um, um, spending time with happy people, um, you know, um, watching a documentary about happiness. There is endless resources, okay? Just make it your priority because if you don't make it your priority through neuroplasticity by, the, by age 29, when I was 29, I was miserable because it was no longer my priority. 
Yeah, I love that. Now, what brings you personally the most happiness now at this point in your life? I've been, uh, you know, my life story, you know, I, I've, I've, I've seen almost everything. It's really weird. Huh? And I, I'm really grateful for the life I've lived. I've seen all riches, all poverty. I've seen, and I've lived. I've lived like a rich person, like a poor person, like a person who doesn't give a shit about wealth. Mm -hmm. That's the current person. Uh, you know, I, I've lived healthy. I've lived very sick. I've lived, uh, you know, everything. And I've seen a lot of harshness, including losing my wonderful Ali. And, and I will tell you openly, um, there is no happiness that, uh, that exceeds the happiness of just being here and now perhaps other than one happiness, which is to make another person happy. So, so if you ask me what is happiness all about, it's just about this. It's about me uh, enjoying being with you and not thinking that, oh, I wish I was eating a peanut butter, peanut butter sandwich, right? It's like, can I, can I just think about the peanut butter sandwich when I have the peanut butter sandwich and just enjoy this conversation as long as we're having it, right? If you can fix that practice, hmm? and by the way, huh? We humans, we can even enjoy annoying things. And I know this is like Jedi master level, huh? But remember, you and I love to go to the gym and feel the pain of lifting, right? We love that muscle soreness that you get after a long run, right? And, and, and you know, you teach yourself to enjoy it. If you tune into them, you can enjoy them, huh? And so even, even the difficult times in your life, and of course there are sometimes harshness that is un, unenjoyable, huh? but even the difficult lives, times of your life, if you, if you can focus in like a video game and go like, okay, that's the reality of where it is right now. I'm locked down in quarantine. I'm, you know, I don't have the chance to see my friends and rah, 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 rah. Let me enjoy solving this and see how I can make the best out of it. There is joy in that if you focus on that moment and not, I always say it's the in, happiness is in the here and now. Not in, not in the there and then, okay? As long as you're here and now and not thinking about the peanut butter sandwich in an hour's time, you're happy, right? The bigger happiness, the bigger happiness is, can you make another person happy, okay? Yeah. And, and, I, and I say, you know, my one billion happy mission is, is based on a very simple concept. I'm trying to build a positive Ponzi scheme, okay? I'm basically trying to, yeah, I'm trying to get you to hopefully have heard something today that trigger, you know, that registered with you and triggered an idea in your a practice that you will, you will take. And then with that idea, hmm, I ask you to go and tell two people, right? Tell them, hey, by the way, I realized that I'm chasing success my whole life and maybe I should prioritize happiness. By the way, happiness is not about sitting on a beach somewhere. Happiness is to find that contentment of being peaceful with life as it is. And hey, you, would you like to join that? Would you like to listen to that podcast? Would you like to, you know, maybe find, uh, I, you know, my, my podcasts, you know, or, or my whatever, anything, right? And, and, and if you spread that message to two people hmm, and have them spread it to two people, you will get a joy, a level of happiness that I do not believe can be surpassed. So since I lost Ali, my son, uh, who was probably the biggest love of my life, huh? my peer, my, my best friend. I, you know, five, it's now five and a half years ago almost. Uh, I've received so much love. I've received so much joy just from the idea of being able to spread his message, what he taught me, 
to other people. Okay? It's, it's amazing if you can make that your perks. And by the way, there's no better way to learn about happiness than to preach to others, you know, what you learn. So you, whatever you learn, just tell them, okay? Uh, yeah, that's probably the happiest place to be. Yes, for sure. You know, I, I literally today, I wrote this, this quote on my door that says, my drug of choice is how I feel about myself when I'm by myself. So those, those moments when there is, you know, no distractions, mm -hmm. when I'm just lying in bed all by myself, no food, no TV, no anything. And I just like, I have to face myself. And it goes back to this Motown, right? Well, like I'm, I'm just completely by myself. If I'm happy in that moment, like if I can have the right thoughts in that moment, that to me is like what I want to create on a daily basis. That, that is a superpower. If you, if you really can get to that place where, I am okay with, uh, with who I am right now. And you know what the, the secret is? Because I've tried my best. Yeah. And yeah, maybe, maybe I haven't received what I expected yet, okay? But as long as I've tried my best and as long as I've noticed my mistakes and I've corrected them and I've done better and I don't care what people think of me because I've thought I've, ma I've made mistakes because every human makes mistakes. As long as you can accept you, okay? Trust me, that is... Absolutely, the superpower. Yes, and there seems to be this recurring theme of doing your best in what you do, right? And I think it goes back to this idea of like self-actualization of Maslow, right? Of becoming everything that, that you're capable of being, essentially. And what I found is like the, oftentimes the purpose of goals, not so much like achieving them as it is like really pushing it to like the maximum of what we're really capable of, right? It's like, and I found there's such a joy in simply trying to attempt those things that like seem impossible trying to you know overcome those fears and those insecurities that we have and there's so much joy to be found in simply doing those things and constantly pushing the boundaries yeah. of what we can yeah. do this is this is known as the growth mindset huh? so so people respond differently of course because of the conditioning of how i don't remember the name of the author but please search for growth mindset oh cal uh, so yeah and, and she, she, she's, her, her work's incredible because simply, uh, um, you know, some of us will look at the idea of I'm not as perfect as I can be in something as, ah, you know, I'm, this is horrible. I'm a failure. Okay. And some of us will go like, oh my God, that means I can get better. That means there is something I can do to improve. That means there is progress, right? And, and, and the idea of being able to just do your best and then sit down with no hard feelings at all and reassess and say, how far did I go with this attempt, right? I've been, I've been stuck in, a, in a, a tiny level, a, a tiny bit of the campaign on Halo 4 for some reason for a day and a half, okay? I'm unable to just cross through a certain uh, um, part of the level. And yeah, so what? That's amazing. I'm, I'm, we're playing, right? So I, you know, every day I, I practice 45 minutes a day, four times a week, okay? And so I, I go back, I try to choose a different weapon and I try again and I try again and I try again. And it, 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 the funny thing is if I cross that place, by the way, I will reset and try again. Wow. So, so, so that's the interesting bit because I've discovered a new skill here. Hmm? Maybe it needed two steps to the left and then, you know, the magnum to the right or whatever that is. And once you discover that new skill, you want to practice it again. And again, the joy is in becoming a better gamer. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, I invite everyone to take, you know, chill. It's a game. 
Okay, <laughs> you just need to become the best at it. Yeah. So what, what do you say to those people? You know, they're smashing their <laughs> their <laughs> controllers onto the screen or out of the window. <laughs> I I don't blame them. I I'm one. Of, I used to be one of them. Right. I, the, 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 the reality is life is very complex. If you want to solve all of it at once, it's very complex, okay? All you can solve is this minute. Yes. If you just look at this minute and say, how can I solve this minute? How can I be the best I can now, okay? Now can I look forward so that I develop the skills so that when I'm in this minute again or in a more complex minute, okay, I'm so good at it. And that's it. If you simplify life to that, it's, it works. It works. It's just almost like you remember those slide projectors from, from the past. It's like one slide at a time. And surprisingly, if you look at uh, Einstein's work on, uh, on theory of relativity and the whole idea of space-time continuum, life actually works that way. It's slide after slide on space-time along the arrow of time. And, and the only part of it you can effect, affect is that slide that's slice of time that you're in right now. It's the only, that's as far as your impact can ever go. Absolutely love that. Now, what, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received on happiness? Happiness is found in the truth. Is my, uh, I, was, I was interviewing on my podcast. Uh, last week, I was interviewing Tal Ben Shahar, which is one of my dear Another friends, but guy. also, yeah, incredible, incredible thinker in positive psychology. And, uh, and, he, and he said, uh, um, you know what, Mo, I, you know, I, I, I don't remember how we came to that conversation, but basically we were, I was asking him, what's the secret of life? And he said, well, secret of life is reality. That's number one. Number two is reality. And number three is reality. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and I told him, I said, the last sentence in my book, after 365 pages of trying to explain happiness, I, I wrote down one sentence at the end, which is, happiness is found in the truth. It really is that simple. Okay? If you see the truth of life, if you see the truth of events, so that you can see that your boyfriend with four hairs actually still loves you, or that your girlfriend, when she's talking to you after coming from work or whatever, uh, if you see the event for, for what it is, if you're realistic about your expectations, if you see the truth and deal with it, because sometimes the truth is harsh, okay? You know, it's like a fire alarm. You have to do something about it. If you see the truth, you will find happiness almost all the time, okay? Other than if you're stuck in chronic pain or, you know, you have a disease that is really, really wearing you down, everything else in the truth is manageable. Everything else in the truth is just a slide on space-time. And I know this sounds difficult for a lot of people, but most happiness practitioners that really get to the Jedi Master level, which I have, have been super fortunate to, to, to know and to learn from, will tell you, that's it. The truth of this moment is your entire life. Deal with it. You'll be successful and you'll be happy. Yes, absolutely love that. Now, before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you and your project online? Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, if you search Mo Gaudet, you'll find tons of videos online. My, my most passionate and, uh, and uh, you know, 
a successful project recently has been my podcast, Slow Mo, S-L-O-M-O, and which is available on uh, Buzzsprout. So if you go to uh, slowmo.buzzsprout.com, uh, Buzzsprout is B-U-Z-Z Sprout. Uh, you'll find that uh, where I discuss with, with happiness experts from across the world, tips and techniques. You can come to solveforhappy.com. Solve is like solving an equation, S-O-L-V-E, uh, which has my book and a lot of uh, you know, uh, background on that. You can join us at onebillionhappy.org. And uh, yeah, social media, that everywhere. You'll, you'll find me. And I actually respond to all messages that I receive, which is quite demanding, but I still, <laughs> I <keep bet>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still keep up. And I actually, I respond personally. So sometimes I'm slow in responding, but I, I respond to every message I receive. Yeah, I love that. Now to wrap it up, what does it mean for you to max out your life? Max out my life? Wow. Uh, I, I would hope that by the end of my life, uh, one billion happy is totally on track. That uh, a million people are the champions spreading the message to a billion people and that I'm totally forgotten.